this reading uh, in John chapter 9 verses 1 to 12 comes after Jesus walked away from a group who were about to stone him. And as he went along he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. The word means sent. So the man went went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbours and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am that man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. Thank you, John. Good morning, everyone. My name is Ian. Nice to see you here. End of a year, start of a new year, new decade. Uh, and we know that as we gather, as uh, Shane has said and Danny has prayed, it's in the midst of a heartache all around us, especially uh, in our state and Victoria and the, the South Coast and a whole range of things that are certainly on Miles is mine too about Ignite and all that that's going on. So we're mindful of that as we gather together to start this uh, new moment in time and uh, Catherine's going to flick something up. Thanks, Catherine. Uh, So a little while ago I thought about just getting into a new season, a new decade, thinking about life. I think it's always good to think about life and try to master it and how do we get better at it and how do we live and move through all sorts of seasons and stages in life and it is my contention right up front that no matter how hard you try mastering your own life, you need to know the master of life, who is Jesus. So I just want you to know that right up front. No matter what he's said, no matter where we go, you need to make sure you've got Jesus in your life. Uh, and this could be a good day to do that. Uh, new, new year, new decade, uh, all that's going on. And so uh, we, we will share lots of things over this month, indeed in January. One of the things I will share, because you've been so gracious with your giving, is in regards to just two interns. Our third intern is away at the moment and we'll share two of them tonight who are here uh, and our third one is away on holiday so we'll wait to share that next week. But uh, we have made the appointment of, uh, of uh, 
three, I'll let you know about two. Uh, one is uh, Keelan Smith, uh, who's going to be working with a creative arts team. Keelan is a product of Fig Tree, which is wonderful. Uh, your grandparents come to our service here, which is great. Uh, and Logan Braley is going to be working with our children. And young Logan sitting up the back, hiding. Just stand up, Logan, so we can embarrass you. It's always important. There you go. New turn. Wave your hand, Logan. Say hi, I'm Logan. Good to see you. <laughs> which is uh, lovely. And uh, all the fine young people who are joining our team. Um, I don't want you to somehow think that New Year, new moment, we're going to get a few tips to help us live life well. Uh, it's more than that. Uh, certainly it is to help us think about life and navigate life, but it's, it's deeper and more than that. Um, I hope through this series we get a chance to think about where we're at, where we're going, personally, corporately. Uh, I'm someone who uh, reads uh, a little bit. Uh, John Piper, I always appreciate what he had to say. Uh, he made this comment about life. Uh, it'll pop up soon, I'm sure. Uh, otherwise, uh, young Greg or Catherine, who are so kind to us, give them a bit of a clap so they can serve us and serve me. Yay, thanks, guys. Uh, or Sam's doing it. Thank you, Sam. What a champion. Piper said this, Life is not a straight line leading from one blessing to the next and then finally to heaven. Do you get that? I hope you do. Life is a winding and trouble road. And isn't it funny that some of us here who can remember 50 years ago when the Beatles released Let It Be, there was a particular song on that called The Long and... Oh, you're my people, aren't you? Um, he goes on switchback after switchback. And the point of biblical stories like Joseph, Job, Esther, Ruth is to help us feel, I like this part, in our bones. In our bones, not just our heads that God is for us in all these strange turns. God is not just showing up after the trouble and cleaning it up, and I think sometimes we might feel that. He is plotting the course and managing the troubles with far-reaching purposes for our own good and for the glory of Jesus Christ. And we might wrestle with that part of this because the far-reaching thing might actually mean that we may not get to see the result in our lifetime. Far-reaching means it might go to the next generation or the next generation or the next... We, we may not see that. And I, I like that, especially I keep thinking about the fires we're experiencing. How do we somehow... You know, Jesus, don't you know we need rain for Pete's sake? What is it you don't get in our country? Um, and we have to wrestle with that. So let me pray, Father, as we think about days gone by, as we think about the future, help us live well and lean more into you. Help us remember the past but not live in the past. Guide us in Jesus' name. Amen. So uh, living in the past, uh, some of you might like to live in the past, some of you might like reminiscing about days gone by, uh, how good it was, how good it was when I was single. Oh, no responsibilities, do what you like. Oh, how awesome it was when we were married, no kids. Gee, that was good fun, wasn't it? Wasn't it great when the kids were little? You know, I know you might have lost some sleep, but no responsibilities, and then they became teenagers and the world changed. Uh, my older brother used to think if God could have sort of birthed them at 18, then they could just leave. And you could sort of skip all the heartache in one sense. Oh, that's not a bad idea. Difficult for others, of course. Um, you know, if the answer is yes, that you live in the past, that, maybe that's okay. Maybe it's helpful to fondly think of days gone by. Um, the problem becomes when you actually get stuck in the past and just live in there. And I think sometimes we live in the past or past glory days because it's familiar and we prefer it to the present. You can all hear those words about, ah, oh, the good old days. 
I can even, if you're old enough, can hear the Monty Python skitter about you think you had it tough. You know, and many of you might remember that, and I won't go through it right now. Um, and uh, Kennedy, Karen Kennedy uh, wrote this, there is a difference between thinking about the past and living in it. Sometimes we live in the past because it's familiar. We know what happened. There are no surprises. Think about why you watch reruns of your favourite old sitcoms over and over and over again. I like listening to songs, over, watching the same movie. Do some of you guys do that? You know, get on YouTube, watch the same thing you've watched a thousand times, and you still laugh at the same old joke? Do you sort of still laugh at the same old joke? Come on, don't leave me alone hanging here. Of course you all do. You watch the same thing over and over again. Um, here's some questions to ask yourself if that's you. Is there a particular period in your past life that you cling on to? And those around you sort of think, oh, there they go again, going back to that period in time. Do you feel you'll never reach that same level of happiness, satisfaction, acceptance, joy ever again? Are you frustrated where you are currently right now? This is rhetorical, don't respond. Uh, are you fearful of the future? Of course, there's also the reality that if you go back to the past, it can be incredibly sad. It can just be incredibly heartbreaking as you think about your life. And so I think if you're, if you're clinging to a specific period and you don't feel there's anything in the present or even the future, uh, then you may have some things you have to work through. Uh, living in the past becomes a problem because it actually does rob you of enjoying anything in today or let alone the future. Uh, living in the past also it doesn't allow you to deal with the present and there's always new things that keep coming up, we know that. Uh, you know, often it's, and, and maybe social media, Facebook has done this, I hear about it, that people connect with old high school friends and they reminisce about those days when they might have been a star athlete or something like that and they enjoy those times. Um, don't live in the past, you know, some people do because it's probably predictable, you might enjoy it. What if, what if the best days are behind us? What if the best days are behind you, behind me? behind us. Well, what does that do to us? Um, maybe nothing in the future will ever be as good as what has already happened. What do you do with that? Lots of questions, isn't it? Uh, you might be fearful of the future, so you may not make long-term plans. You might be fearful of the future because you're concerned about what might happen to you or your kids. Um, there's all sorts of things. and like, I think it's true to say also those who've gone before us, like the disciples, get concerned too about life and have questions and observations, uh, and they were products of their time as well, like we are products of our time. And in fact, if you go back to uh, Exodus 34, you can see how the rabbis taught, of course, when it came to your current suffering, that oh, your parents or grandparents have done something to cause that. There's a cause and effect connection there. Uh, Jesus rejects this view and while I personally like the song 10,000 Reasons uh, John Piper also made the comment that God is always doing 10,000 more things in your life than you ever understand there's always more than what you see, know or feel right now or in the future so we jump in living with questions I think we all have to live with questions again for the older ones here unlike me many of you might also remember 50 years ago that George Harrison released an album called and on that album, of course, he had a song, What is my life? What is my life? And that's a question I'm sure the blind man in this story wondered about day in, day out. Blind from birth. 
struggled from birth, sitting by the side of the road. And perhaps the Lord knew it. And so you read this as John read out. As Jesus went along, you know, John 8, a woman caught in adultery, Jesus fleeing. He saw a man blind from birth. So Jesus notices the blind man. I don't get a sense that the disciples noticed the blind man, but the disciples noticed Jesus noticing. So his disciples asked, I think, the obvious question from their culture and their understanding of life. So, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? And now this is a theological turning point. Neither. This man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. That's a bigger wrestle for me at this point in time. Born blind for this moment in time for Jesus to come across his path and to say this has happened so that the works of God might be glorified in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. That's Jesus' heavenly father. Night is coming when no one can work while I'm in the world. I am, there's a great, I am the light of the world. Um, this reality, and, and where people assume that his illness, disease, handicap, disability, was because someone back there had sinned. And Jesus says no. And let alone this issue about being born blind, and some rabbis argued about this all those years ago, and some rabbis argued clearly he sinned as a fetus, sinned while he's in the womb. Another rabbi argued, how do you know a fetus has sinned in the womb? And the other one responded, because he kicked harder. So if you've had children and one kicked harder than the other, maybe they might sin more. And they get caught up in these debates. Ever been caught up in a debate? You think, why am I debating this? This just seems irrelevant. Uh, you might have had those sort of conversations in the last little while. It was important to, uh, in the debate in Judaism all those years ago. Jesus says, this happened, verse 3, so that God can be glorified. Uh, and trying to work that out, you see, there's no point assigning blame. You're in this situation because... You're like that because... I don't deny that parents and grandparents can influence the upbringing of children, but to actually say, it's your fault that I'm here or this has happened, Jesus is saying, no, there's no cause and effect. There's no point when people share their story trying to apportion blame. No, I think culturally we are good at that. We can't live in the past, yet we live in a life that we may have questions that remain unanswered forever. Uh, Danny, in his prayer, quoted from Lamentations 3. And if you're trying to process the bushfires at the moment, or our culture, or the West, or where we've come from, or the last 10 years, I'd encourage you to read those five chapters of Lamentations. It is good food for thought. In fact, we're going to do a series on that a little, a little bit later on. At the end of Lamentations 5, Lamentations 5 is a chapter where the culture is really struggling with what God has done. And they're wondering. They see no answer. They see no future. They see no hope. And it's beautiful poetry. But it ends like this. You, Lord, reign forever. Your throne endures from generation to generation. Why do you always forget us? Why do you forsake us so long? Restore us to yourself, Lord, that we may return. Renew our days as of old. Unless 
You have utterly rejected us and are angry with us beyond measure. And that's it. It ends. Now, there could be, the answer could be yes. Uh, the answer could be no. But that's, that's how they end it. It's like this desperation of, oh, why? Surely you're asking the question, why we are in this state we're in? Why has it not rained? Why are there so many fires? Why, why is this happening? Why is God not listening to our prayers? He, could God be angry with us? I read about people who reflect on the West and reflect on the West turning away from God and a consequence to that. We may not think there's any consequence in turning away from God. The Bible has a very different view on that. Uh, Jesus reminding the disciples that he indeed is the light of the world and it does touch on the theme of suffering. And again, the struggle is to realise so this suffering of this blind man is so that a point in time would come when God will be glorified. That, that's a challenge. But suffering, we think about suffering, well I do, it is often the Bible talks about it's a testing of your faith. That's the number one thing. Secondly, it's actually meant for improvement. While I'm happy to give glory to God in the good days without suffering, I think that's a better plan that I would, if I was God, I'd do. It's all good, no problem. God has a different plan in that. And again, suffering is a punishment for sin. I'm not going to deny that either. And again, suffering also shows the glory of God. Shows the glory of God. And right now, on the 5th of January 2020, I'm trying to work out in my head and the heart and spirit how God is going to be glorified at the moment in our state as things happen. Uh, and you must, well, I don't know what you think, but it's tough. The hardest image I've seen so far with the bushfires has been the one I'll show you in a minute. It's the one that's gripped me most and I think affected me most. Uh, let me go to there. And it's uh, the little boy whose uh, dad uh, and his dad's uh, friend was killed in a truck. And that's the... Uh, New South Wales Fire Commissioner, every time I see that poor man on TV, he just seems to be devastated. I mean, and we understand why. Just the weight, the pain. Every day it's bad news. And that little boy, and I think it's the dummy in his mouth to be truthful, that, that's the thing that really affects me out of everything else. He's only 19 months old. Um, his name is Harvey. His dad's name's Geoffrey Keaton. His head's bowed. It's just awful. I just... He lives his life now without his dad. It's terrible, terrible. And I sit back and think, ah, oh, how does God get glorified in it? I, I don't know. I don't know. We, I, I may never know. It's a similar age to, I've shared before, my own dad lost his mum. Uh, my dad's a twin and uh, he was about two and he lost his mum. And I, I can confess that I've been blessed as my brothers have been because of my dad's journey and suffering. Um, but I just, that's an awful photo. And suffering can be, you know, I hate to read the news about, and even it was said again on Friday and Saturday that most of the fires have been deliberately lit. Can't believe that. And yesterday's news said there was a guy who'd been fighting fires for four days, he'd parked his car, and he came back to get to his car, and all his wheels had been taken. It's just like, do you think mankind sins? We, uh, you know... And yet the Bible tells me and teaches me, and Jesus is making this profound point, suffering is an opportunity for God's grace, for God's grace to be manifested, for God's grace to be highlighted. Um, and if our suffering is not a direct punishment for sin, then it's something, oh, 
God is allowing to happen in our lives for a greater good. For reasons beyond our knowledge. Uh, This wouldn't surprise you. It's been said that we're living in a fallen world. What that indicates, of course, is that we are not living in a world where we can always expect perfection. That God does not try to operate the world in such a way that everything works out beautifully. Now, we know that historically. Everything just doesn't in everyone's life work out beautifully. You know, you're born, you go through beautiful primary school, high school, you meet the love of your life, you get married, you have perfect children, you have a perfect marriage, no problem at all, end up having a perfect funeral. Yay! I have not yet had a perfect funeral that I've had to lead, let me tell you. Nor have I met anyone, myself included, that's had a perfect life. If you have, well done. From Genesis to Revelation, the scriptures tell us what? The world is broken, profoundly broken, fragmented, destroyed, heartbreaking, hurts and damages, hardships. The the scriptures confirm that everybody is affected by human sin and the world itself, you can jump to Romans 8, groans. Everywhere I look, humanity is affected by the fall. And a few weeks ago, Shane touched on that reality. Uh, And yet in this case, in John 9, Jesus is saying, this is happening for God's glory. This is happening for God's glory. Our rebellion has brought disorder in every area of life, but here we see something that's being used by God for greater glory. Uh, who knows how this blind man's life would be affected as he looked back on the past. In giving sight to this man, Jesus reveals himself clearly as the Messiah. Another amazing miracle where clearly things have changed. Someone, the master, enters into this apprentice's life and heals him and gives him sight. Remember, while I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. One of those great I am statements. The night is closer. You can read Romans 13 to get that. You know, the day is nearly done, the night is here. Ephesians 5 echoes this as well. Everything exposed by the light becomes visible and everything that is illuminated becomes a light. That is why it is said, Wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead and Christ will shine on you. I think it's a song. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are perfect, good, lovely, sunny and kind. And the Bible does not say that. The Bible makes it very, very clear because the days we live in are evil. You mightn't like to hear it, you mightn't like to read it, you might, I sometimes want something better than that. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is for your life. These reality. Jesus is saying in John 9, this man's healing is a sign of a greater purpose of God. It identifies who he is. And for the healer to make clay maybe out of spittle is for something unusual. There have been some suggestions about that. One has been, and there's some doctors here, one has suggested the healing power of saliva. Right, John? So if you see someone walking up to you and you've got a cut on your arm and they're spitting, just run a mile. I don't think there's any healing power in saliva. Uh, Another writer said, well, he put clay in his eyes to make him more blind. I don't know if you're blind, you can be more blind. It shows you my lack of, again, of medical knowledge. Uh, Another writer said, well, because men come from dirt, he used that to clay to emphasise that. 
Why did he use clay? I have no idea. And I could care less. Seems very irrelevant to me. I do get the sense of clay, potter, clay. I can go with that. Uh, That's probably true. I can understand that a little bit. We sing that, uh, which is true. I mean, we know the reality of pots and clays. clays, And there's a few cracked pots around here that might do with some extra clay. Why didn't Jesus just heal him on the spot and have it done with? You know, we read that. After saying this, he spits on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, put on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam, means sent. So the man went, washed, and came home seeing. John just, it's like, where, what about the rest of it? That's it. Obedient, believed in the Lord, responded, gets up, goes, went, washed, I can see. Wow. That's pretty impressive. And so understand, we can't live in the past. We have to move to another place and we will have questions. We'll live with questions. And living with questions also means we have to live with others and their questions. Do you realise that? Others have questions about where you're at, why you're at, what are you doing, why did you do that? The crowd had a hard time identifying who Jesus was. Uh, they struggled with that. And really the rest of the John 9 story, you just see this question after question after question coming to the blind man. And I'm guessing he gets very tired. We start with the neighbours, his neighbours, and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit here and beg? Some claimed that he was, others said, no, no, he only looks like him. <laughs> but he himself, hang on, I am the man. Excuse me, I'm the guy. I should know whether I was blind and now I can see. I... But the neighbours, they struggle with that. The ignorance will be resolved soon enough. He went, washed, came back seeing. Uh, this is really powerful. Again, an obedient servant who goes and responds in that way. And the Lord is interested not just in the physical healing of his sight, but in the spiritual impact on this man's life. The spiritual impact on this man's life is far more important than the spiritual healing. You know, We know that many people who can physically see are spiritually blind. You might be sitting here today seeing lots and yet you have not yet seen the one who matters, the master of life, the one who, can, who gave you life and the one who can lead you all the way home. And so question after question then comes to this man. You see it in, in verse 10. How, how then were your eyes opened? They asked, he replied, the man they called Jesus. Don't forget the guy's been blind. He doesn't know who Jesus is till right to the end. And so he did, oh, the man they, he heard the name somewhere. The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam, wash. I went, washed, and then I could see. There it is again, fairly straightforward, direct. Where is this man, they asked him. How would I know? I've been blind for... How would I know where he is? I don't even know who he is. They tell me his name's Jesus. Oh, you've got to love the Pharisees. They brought to the Pharisees a man who had been blind. It's just... It's crazy. Again, it's amazing how this man's insight and eyesight gets bolder and clearer as he sees who Jesus is. Of course, as soon as his healing has happened, if you read uh, John 9, and feel free to do so uh, later on today, you get to see the Pharisees who get upset, and their main upset in verse 14 to 15 and 16 is the fact that, guess what? Jesus did this healing on a Sabbath day. Oh! And so what do they say? You know, how can a sinner perform such signs? How can he come from God because he broke the rules? Oh! New decade, don't break rules. You'll be in trouble. 
They, they, they don't see. Here's Jesus right before him doing this amazing miracle. The, the man who's been healed is testifying to who Jesus is. That man, that called Jesus guy, did it. That just gets them more frustrated. Then the man's parents become involved in verse 22 to the end. And they're nervous about saying, yeah, that's my son. Because they're concerned what the Pharisees will say about that. So they're reluctant to confess that. Uh, they know his eyes are open, but they don't want to say this. And the Pharisees are convinced, well, Jesus is a sinner because he healed on the Sabbath day, which is all wrong. And so there's a question after... And sometimes you just get tired of people asking questions. Look, I know my story. I know where I've come from. And this is it. Can you leave me alone? I was blind. And now I see. And sometimes your experience of God is greater than any debate, no matter what it is. Because you test it for this. Well, this is what happened. I couldn't see, now I can. Well, what more do you want me to say? I met Jesus. He did it. How many of us here could say my life changed when I met Jesus? You know, my life was transformed because of that. The man doesn't want to get involved in these arguments. And so he starts to get the connection about, finally, I've got to live with the Master. I want to live with Jesus. He's a man who's experienced the mercy of God and the grace of God. And he wraps it up by saying this in verse 25. He replied, look, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. You can go and argue till the cows come home. I love that phrase. I haven't really lived a life where the cows come home, but I still love the phrase. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Is that enough? I'm not living in the past. There's been a change. I just know, I can see now. Uh, then they asked him, well, hang on. Well, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? Can you get the sense of frustration? He answered, look, I've told you this already and you didn't, I've told you a thousand times and you didn't listen. Why, why do you want to do it again? Do you want to go back to Jesus and say, look, can you make me blind? Can you do it in front of these guys? Uh, and very, we all know in John 11, there's that great story of Lazarus, uh, coming back and, you know, just, if you just send someone from, who's risen from the dead, they'll believe. No, they won't. They don't believe anything. They still don't believe. Why do you want to hear it again? Do you want to become his disciples too? Because that got them really upset. They hurled insults at him and said, you are, his, you are this fellow's disciple. We are disciples of Moses. And of course, they kick him out of the synagogue. They get rid of him. And Jesus hears about that. So a couple of things to think about. You cannot control what others say. You know that, don't you? You cannot control what others will say or the questions I'll ask of you. And you cannot determine what others will think of you no matter your past story and your journey. They'll think it anyhow. Don't try and defend it or justify it. Don't try and explain it to them. They're not going to listen anyhow. And who says they're going to believe even when you're sharing a story about how God has changed your life? Pray that God will use it, but there's no guarantee they're going to, wow, we too must meet this man. But you can point them to the one who's changed your life. You can point them to the Master Jesus. You can do that. Uh, you can witness to the Master no matter what their response is. And finally, even if you struggle to master your own life, which I do, you can still know the Master of life. And that's important because many of us have lived with Jesus for a long time. And one of the early martyrs, uh, the first bishop, Polycarp, uh, I, I like what he said. He said this, 80 and 6 years, so 86 years have I served Christ, nor has he ever done me any harm. And he's been challenged, he's going to be burnt, and he's been challenged to recant, to deny Christ. Just, just look, if you just say it's all a lot of rubbish, we'll let you go. 
And the point is, well, hang on, I'm 86 years old. I've lived with Christ all this time. He's never done me any harm. Why would I now, at this moment in time, do this? Even if it's going to be the greatest moment of suffering this man has ever experienced before he died. And he goes on, How then could I blaspheme my king who saved me? I bless thee for dunning me worthy of this day. I find that's the hardest thing when you're in the midst of suffering. It's easy to reflect on it when you're not in the midst of suffering. But I think sometimes you're in the midst of suffering. And many of us here know people who are suffering right now and facing the end of their life. But I bless thee. You know, this day, this hour, I may be among thy martyrs and drink the cup of my Lord Jesus Christ. And he did. He was killed. You know, the... uh, the truth is your past and your past journey has led you here today. That's why you're here. You People are here because they met Jesus back then and they're still walking today with our Lord. As the story gets wrapped up, Jesus says this in verse 35, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out of the temple and when he found him he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? So this is right at the end of chapter 9. Well, who is he? So got still, who is he? The man asked, tell me, that I, that, tell me so that I may believe in him. And Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he's the one speaking with you. The man said, Lord, I believe and worship him. The man was born blind so that the works of God would be glorified in him. I wrestle with the reality of the pain we see in this life. And the pain of the past, and yet I see the pain of the past bring many, many people to a point in their life where they truly can see the works of God and the glory of God. I'm sure the Thailand people going to the trip will see through profound suffering in another culture the works of God have brought people to a point in time where they can believe. Uh, And so if you're suffering and the new year hasn't brought you any hope as it hasn't for many, many people that we live with, Be slow as you engage with people who are suffering in a disaster zone. Understand that there is a God who has a greater purpose. An old, old lady, Fanny Crosby, I love the name. Fanny Crosby, a long time ago, wrote a song. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a saviour, glory divine. This is my story. Some of you might even know that old hymn. Uh, as a young woman, Fanny, at the age of eight, became blind through an accident. She lived till 90. She wrote the hymn later. But when she was aged eight, she wrote this little poem. Oh, what a happy child I am. Although I cannot see, I am resolved that in this world contented I will be. How many blessings I enjoy that other people don't. To weep and sigh Because I'm blind, I cannot and I won't. Aged eight. I complain about so many things. She rejoiced at what God had done in her life for all those years, in spite of, and I see that with others as well. Sometimes God permits challenges in order to awaken our compassion in our own lives and our hearts to others as well. If you're fearful of the future, here are a couple of things that might help me understand as the band comes up. I don't want you to live in the past. Good things in the past. I have no desire to relive any aspect of my life. No desire. Every aspect has been as God ordained it and I'm blessed. Being a grandfather is an incredible blessing as grandfathers and grandmothers here know. 
especially because you can hand the kids back. Think. Take stock of what you currently have in your life and all the things you have to be grateful for. Be grateful for what you have. That's one, as you move into a new decade. Number two, spend time planning ahead. Think about the future. You know, the future actually is not as hard. You know, when you've planned things in the future, just make some decisions. It's, it's okay. The, you, you won't collapse. Acknowledge there are some things in life that you just can't control. Acknowledge that you can't control. I, the longer I live, the more I realise there's less and less I can control. Not that we want to control things. Does anyone here, is anyone here a control freak? Keep your hands down. Don't look at the person next to you. You want to control all things. You want to control your kids, their career, their future, your wife, your husband, your dog, your cat. Man, stop trying to control things. And finally, know the master who has given you life. Know Jesus. He's the one and the only one who's going to give you purpose, plan, a perfection and direction. Life is hard, in case you're wondering. Full of blessings. And if someone says to you life is easy, they're absolutely telling you a porky. The good news is, while you don't have control over much, there is one who controls all things. And yes, the old saying is true, yesterday's history, tomorrow's a mystery, and today is a gift, that's why they call it as a present they call it a present. What is your story? Maybe a new chapter is going to start today. Maybe a new chapter is you leaning into Jesus. Might be so. May you know the one who's given you life, and may you know the one who leads you on. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, you are gracious to all of us. Help us live well in light of what you have done, in light of what you do. Father, guide us all and for those on this day who are suffering or struggling, Father, pour out your blessing and grace upon them. Father, we ask in your mercy, may it be that our journey, our process, our life brings glory to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing a song right now that seems most appropriate to reflect on all that's been shared. It's a chance to give to the work of ministry here so others can also know about this great God that we know.